I wonder if you noticed the same thing. Most of the fitness, nutrition, or intermittent fasting rules and guides are geared towards women in menopause or perimenopause. So for us that are in postmenopausal stages, there is not a lot of information of how we should move forward, what we should do for our bodies, how we can get rid of the belly fat and how we can get more energy. The information seems to stop and the one thing that comes to mind is this ad that where the couple sits in bathtubs, in individual bathtubs, holds hands, has a bottle of champagne in the middle and watches the sunset. I'm sure many of you have seen this one. I mean, it is a, it is an ad for Viagra, but oftentimes this message is followed by a drug for depression, which usually shows a woman that's very depressed. And the message is clear. The pharma companies do wanna help us live longer and healthier lives. But is that all we need? The drugs that they're prescribing us or that they suggest we should take? I beg you to differ. And this episode is about age-defying fitness and nutrition tips for postmenopausal women. And I'm Heike, and I'm so excited that you're here. I'm the host of this podcast, and I can't wait to dive in to today's episode about postmenopausal ways to live, thrive, and enjoy your second half of life. Hi, I'm Heike Yates, a fitness and nutrition coach with over 35 years of experience. I'm on a mission to empower women over 50 to reclaim their health, strength, and vibrancy and step into the best version of themselves during this extraordinary phase of life. You're joining an incredible global community of women who have decided to stop dimming their light and ignite their inner spark instead. I'm thrilled to have you with us. On this podcast, I break down complex fitness, nutrition, and mindset concepts into easy, achievable steps that you can incorporate into your life today. No matter where you are, it's never too late to start. I sit down with some truly amazing people who've gone from tough times to great heights and experts who share tips to tackle your challenges. You'll feel supported knowing you're not alone in your journey. It's like having a personal support team in your corner. Together, we're going to change the conversation around aging, break down barriers, and reveal the true power of being over 50. So let's challenge the norms, take action, and say, yes, I can. This is the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Did you know that approximately 1.2 billion women globally will be postmenopausal by the year 2030? And that's according to a source of the International Menopause Society. 1.2 billion of us, you're past menopause, and this is where most of the health and nutrition tips and strategies stop. And all the information or must, a lot of the information we find is around perimenopause and menopause. And menopause st starts at the age of 51. Now, that doesn't mean that suddenly we are not battling fatigue, we are not stressed, we're not gaining weight, and we don't want to lose belly fat. It's still there. It's not, okay, boom, menopause happens and we're back to normal. But we need exercises and nutrition that are tailored to our age group. Now, we have different issues to deal with than the women in menopause and perimenopause, similar but different. Now, osteoporosis or low bone density, arthritis, cardiovascular disease like heart attacks and stroke, and UTIs, urinary tract infections, may increase after menopause. So that sounds uh, like a whole lot. And you're wondering, oh my goodness, am I going down the hill? No, we're not. You know what? It is all not as bleak as it really sounds because once you're postmenopause, you have freedom, you have independence, you can work on personal growth, and you have the opportunity to focus on your own health and your own well-being. I think that's a winner right there. 
So let's start off with the three stages of menopause. So the first one, of course, is perimenopause. This often starts when the women are in their 50s or when you are in your 50s. It can also be earlier. But during perimenopause, estrogen levels begin to fluctuate and gradually decline. So this is when you have irregular menses, you have hot flashes, symptoms of night sweat, mood swings, sleep disturbances, and vaginal dryness. And the perimenopausal phase is varies from woman to woman and can last anywhere from a few months to a, several years. Now, when my menopause started, it was literally out of the blue. And I know this doesn't sound pretty and it doesn't sound pretty for a podcast, but I want to give you real stories, real help, and things that you can use for yourself. So when my menopause started, I had no warning, zero. I suddenly started bleeding and my menses would not stop. They were so severe. I went to the doctor and they looked at me and I said, well, you know, you're starting menopause and I'm like, can't be like this. And I got some drugs to manage the bleeding, but my my perimenopause to menopause and then past was lasting maybe two weeks, maybe three at the most. And then I was done with, I had no perimenopausal, then I had menopause and I was done. So my transition, there was no transition for me. I just went from perimenopause, boom, to postmenopause in just a few weeks. Now, the second phase is menopause. And usually, officially, menopause is uh, diagnosed when you don't have any menses for about a year in a row, so 12 months in a row. If you still bleed in between, you're officially not in menopause. That means menopause can start anywhere between 40 and your early 50s, but the average age is about 51. So I was, at that point, 50. Because, I, oh, I remember this really well. I know, let, let me tell you guys, today I'm full of stories. I'm full of resources. These, this episode has so many resources for you to move on past menopause and, and just great advice and great strategies. So I was 50 and what I was doing on my 50th birthday, I told my husband, and you may have heard that story before. I told my husband that I would like to dance tango in Buenos Aires because I'm an Argentine tango dancer and I'd taken lessons and I wanted to dance tango in Buenos Aires on my birthday, which I did. But I had the big problem with the bleeding. So that was not so good. But may as it be. Um, so at this point, the ovaries have stopped uh, the release of eggs and producing significant amounts of estrogen and progesterone. So all of this stopped. And that's why you feel that you're getting more tired, more moody, can't sleep, all of this. So that's is the phase where we go into postmenopause. Once all these symptoms occur and you feel um, you're not feeling great at all because menopause can be a beast. I didn't have that many side effects, but I'm 62 now and I still have occasional hot flashes, night uh, sweats, wake up. Some of the side effects that we experience during menopause, I still have those. So uh, when you think of the phase three, which is postmenopause, this stage begins when the woman has done an entire year, 12 month without any bleeding. And you don't have periods for the rest of your life, so that's pretty good. But during postmenopause, hormone levels have reached a stable low and the body adjusts to a new hormone level or hormonal level. Some are adjusting better than others. Uh, one of the questions, and I also answer questions in this episode, will I ever feel like myself again after menopause? Are you going to feel different? Yes, you are. You can't be the same as you were before menopause because your hormonal balance is completely different, but you can feel that much better. You don't have all the month monthly energy dips and spikes, and it's a lot more low key. Speaking of key, what are the key changes for postmenopausal women? 
After menopause, we have, because of the hormone changes, since estrogen and progesterone decline, we still have hot flashes, night sweats, mood swings, vaginal dryness. So it's not poof, magic, magically menopause is done, and we're like hunky-dory, everything's great. No, the decline in estrogen levels can lead to decrease in bone density and increased risk of osteoporosis and fractures. So you need to know these changes. Uh, estrogen also has a protective effect on the heart, heart, so the risk of cardiovascular disease like heart attack and stroke also increases after menopause. Postmenopausal women are at an increased risk of heart disease, which is leading the leading cause of death in women in the United States, according to the source American Heart Association. Yep, so we need to take care of our bones and our heart. Our metabolism tends to slow down as we age normally because we have we're battling, as I like to call it, sarcopenia, the, the natural wasting away of our muscles as we're aging. Uh, this also, because of that, the muscles waste away and our metabolism slows down, we tend to gain weight, especially around the middle. Now, hormonal changes also contribute to the changes in this body composition, especially in the abdominal area. Now, also changes in your exercise routine because you have arthritis or you're more tired, become more sedentary, are also to blame for weight gain or belly fat gain. So it's not only your hormones, which many women tend to believe, it is also that we, we become less active. So who wants to exercise after a night of not sleeping, completely waking up exhausted and supposed to go for a run or whatever your workout is? And I remember this very vividly that we were training for a marathon 10 years ago where I still could run and... I couldn't get, I, I just couldn't get my head up. I'm like, I hadn't slept all night. I was up all night, sweating, not feeling great. And at, at five o'clock, the alarm bell went off. And my husband said, okay, it's, it's, let's go. It's time to train. I just couldn't do it. I was so exhausted that I said, you go, I need to sleep. I can always run later in the day. And so I slept another three or four hours, which which was a, a, a savior to me at that point. And so I had to set priorities when it came to my exercise. And you may feel the same way now that you're postmenopausal, that you're like, I can't wrap my head around it. That's why I think that shorter exercise uh times are the way to go in our age group, but more about that later. Now, lower estrogen also leads to collagen and elastin production or the reduction, let me say this again, lower estrogen levels can lead to reduction in collagen and elastin production of your body. That means your saggy skin, you're less tight, you have wrinkles there. And the good example always is when, when we lift the arm or when somebody lifts the arm and says, oh, look at my flabby skin around the tricep. But it's part of aging. Your skin is not as taut and it's not uh, juiced up by estrogen and progesterone. So we need to strength train. More on that later. So the decreased estrogen levels can cause the weakening of, of the muscles supporting the bladder and the urethra, leading to UTIs. It's, it's crazy, right? When you think about this, what the changes in your hormone levels can do to your body. Vaginal dryness, decreased libido, discomfort during intercourse can affect our sexual health and our relationships. So there's a lot of stuff going on. And some women, like I said, may experience mood swings, anxiety, depression, memory problems due to the hormone changes and the emotional impact of transitioning into a new phase in life. There's a lot I just unpacked. And when you listen to the episode, you may listen to it again and say, okay, here, I have vaginal dryness. I really don't want to have sex with my husband right now. It's, it's, 
it hurts. I am just always depressed. What's going on with me? These are some clues that because of the hormone changes and because you're postmenopausal, these hormones don't, even though they level out, they don't bring you back to where you were in your 30s. But more on this in this episode. I'm, getting, I'm so pumped up. I have to tell you, I was so fired up preparing this episode and it's so much research. And I look back at, at episodes that I recorded that tie in with today's topic. I was just really fired up because I am 62. If you're here, you're at least around 50. If you're younger, great. You can learn from us women that have gone before you. And but it's such an important information that I think we need. And I want to keep going talking about these things for us, the postmenopausal woman. Okay, another question was, does my brain fog lift after, after menopause? Memory lapses in old age are popularly associated with dementia and Alzheimer's. Studies have shown that most postmenopausal women have improvements in their memory after menopause. So during menopause, oh my God, how many times did you go to the other room? Can't remember what happens. And it seems to continue now that you're postmenopausal, but it's getting better because I mentioned it, our hormone levels are starting to stabilize. Now you may say, Heike, what about HRT, hormone replace therapy, which includes estrogen therapy or a combination of estrogen and progesterone, can be described to alleviate menopausal symptoms, which are our hot flashes, our night sweats, our vaginal dryness, or discomfort during intercourse. Uh, also, HRT has shown to help maintain bone density and reduce the risk of osteoporosis. These are all great things why we would want to start HRT. However, it is super important to weigh the potential benefits against the risks. Studies have shown that HRT, particularly when using a combination of estrogen and progesterone, may increase the risk of blood clots, stroke, and certain types of cancers, such as breast cancer and endometrial, endometrial cancer. So something to think about, and you will find conflicting messages. One person says this, the other person says that, and somebody will say, Heike, what you say is not true. There is really no proof that it causes breast cancer, which somebody argued with me. I want to put it out there. I will not exclude it because it is part of research, some of the research data that I found that supports those facts. So taking HRT is really an individual choice. And you definitely want to talk to your doctor and have a clear understanding of what they would recommend to you for you, because I'm not you and you're not somebody else. And if that actually uh, works for you and how are you dealing with the side effects? Is it worth it to you? So think about that. Now, there are ways to, uh, to increase estrogen naturally post-menopause or any time of the day. And these are lifestyle changes, dietary changes that may help promote a healthy and overall balance after menopause. Here are just a few. Maintain a healthy diet. Incorporate foods rich in phytoestrogens, which are plant, which are plant compounds that have estrogen-like effects in your diet. We'll talk about this more. So think about phytoestrogens, maintain a healthy diet. If you're looking for recipes, if you're looking for meals that are ideal for women, our age is over 50, 60 and beyond. If you're looking to effortlessly track your nutrition calories, nutrition and calories, if you're looking to eat gluten-free, dairy-free, vegetarian maybe, you want to have more protein, you don't know how to eat, check out my meal pack or meal packs. And I'll leave a link in the show note to check out uh, meal packs for every lifestyle, low carb, high protein, uh, quick and easy meals. So I'll leave a link in the notes for you so you can check out recipes that help you reach your health and wellness goals and also help you potentially 
lose some weight and lose some body fat with the recipes. Now, the next one is, of course, it is exercise regularly. Physical activity has proven to or can help with hormonal balance. It will help with reducing stress and it will improve your mood and support again overall health. How good does it feel when you're just all riled up and revved up and you go for a walk or a run? Whew, you feel so much better. Then you want to manage stress. Chronic stress can negatively affect your hormone balance. So stress links links directly to cortisol release and cortisol release, release links to belly fat, increased body belly fat. Limit alcohol and caffeine. Excess alcohol and caffeine consumption can have also an effect on your hormones and stop smoking. I don't think I have to say anything more about smoking. It is important that while these lifestyle changes and dietary changes may improve postmenopausal symptoms, uh, it may not be enough for every woman. So really listen to this episode with an open mind and say, take from it what you need. And that's also why I put a ton of resources in. Take from it what you need because we're all so different. Now, one of the, the things that I hear often in our age group is, I want to feel like myself again. And it's almost like you want to scream it from the top of your lungs saying, I, I, I'm done with this. I'm so sick of being forgetful. I'm sick of being sweaty. I want to just sleep through the night. So after menopause, a woman's body doesn't exactly return to perimenopausal stage. The menopause marks a significant shift in hormones and bodily changes. Once you enter postmenopause, your hormone levels, particular estrogen and progesterone, remain stable low. It is essential to recognize that normal might look different for each one of us after, after menopause, as our experiences varies from person to person. So there may be a new normal, a uh, normal that you say, okay, well, I'm sleeping a little bit better. I'm not, it's not perfect, but if I do all my sleep hygiene, I sleep better. If I de-stress, I, I sleep better. If I exercise, I'm reducing my anxiety. Uh, so there are many steps we can take and take away from this episode as much as you can. Now, the other question that keeps coming up is, does the menopausal belly go away once post-menopause? Alrighty, here we go. You gained the belly fat. Once you're done with all this <laughs> menopause nonsense, it's not going away. The menopause belly or the, or the abdominal fat around your waist during menopause or perimenopause is particular because of the hormone changes and the decline in the metabolism as we age. Again, I say it while we're entering postmenopause or in menopause, those hormone levels stabilize, but the belly does not automatically go, go away once you're postmenopause. And my resource for this is an episode that is titled Why You're Not Losing Weight After Menopause Insulin Resistance with Dr. Morgan Nolte. This was a eye-opening episode. Again, I'll leave a link in the show notes for you to listen to this episode, why you may be one of those people that is insulin resistant. It may not be you, but I don't have you right in front of me and I don't know you personally yet. I want to put this in the show notes and into this episode for you to check it out. Okay, then there is, aside from all this other physically feeling like crap, the emotional side of post-menopause is there as well. You know, for many of us moms or empty nester moms, when the kids leave the house, we're struggling. Many of us are struggling to redefine our roles and finding a new purpose. So we feel lost. We've been a mom for so long. We've been We've been caring and catering to our kids, and suddenly there's nothing in the house. 
nothing in the house. It's you and your husband or your significant other, or maybe just you if you're, if you're single by now. Um, but those role reversals can be really challenging. Aging parents, we experience stress and emotional strain for caring for our ailing or elder parents or relative, especially if they have health issues and require assistance. Here I have the, an amazing episode for you titled Elder Care, The Crisis Facing Working Daughters with Liz O'Donnell. Again, another eye-opening episode where we talked about ins and outs because not everybody on the show is an empty nester mom. There, we have so many women here listening to the show and in our courses and on social media that are women over 50 and 60, and you don't want to be excluded. We include you. I include you officially. So come to the Pursue Your Spark podcast for sound advice and strategies for you postmenopausal women. I want you here and I want to help you feel better. So elder care, the crisis facing working daughters link will be in the show notes. Now the relationship changes. That means once the kids are gone, you and your significant other male or female may not recognize each other anymore. You know, from the time you were dating the sexy hunk of hunk and all, you know, ready to rock and roll in the hay, uh, you're like, oh, hey, yeah, we've been parents. Hmm, hand-holding, that's kind of weird. Do we have to do this? Or hugging or being intimate. And it's time to redefine the relationship and the dynamics of this relationship. And then we, we oftentimes experience the lack of social support. As we get older, um, we, we lose friends. Uh, it may be very difficult to make new friends. Yeah, you're now in your late 50s, mid 50s. Uh, you don't have a significant other potentially. And you're like, so I'm not going on the dating side. That's not my jam. Well, what do I do? Maybe I go dancing, but I don't want to go dancing by myself. Well, I'm not the pottery kind of person. It can be tough to figure out what it is that you or how you meet people. It can be super intimidating. And then we have the fear of the future. We may feel uncertain, particularly in terms of our career. You know, you like I am, you still working and you're thinking, okay, where does my career go? What am I seeing myself for the future? And many women that I have interviewed or come across have said, oh, I started something completely new. This could be you, but it may not be you. And that's okay too. We're uncertain about relationships. If we're divorced, will I find another partner? Do I want to find another partner? What about my finances? How will I make it through my later years in life? As, as everybody says, the golden years. And sometimes they may not sound so golden. So how do I address the financial difficulties that I may face? What does my financial portfolio look like? And how do I grow as a person? How do I... What do I, what can I learn? How can I grow? It's because we're postmenopausal doesn't mean we don't want to learn things. I tell you, I have a long list of things I want to learn. Did you know that my husband got me a saxophone for Christmas? I think I haven't shared that story yet. So this Christmas rolled around and my husband had this present for me and I'm looking at it and I was like, are you kidding me? A saxophone? Now you need to know. I can't read music. I've never played an instrument. I'm terrible at singing and I'm deaf on one ear, which affects how I listen to things. And he said, listen, when we talked about learning an instrument, the thing you said to me was, oh, the one thing I really want to master would be playing the saxophone. And so I got you the saxophone. And of course, I said, I hope it was a really cheap one. And he says, no, 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 it was not cheap, but it was not too, super expensive either. So if you want to learn how to play the saxophone, here it is. All you need to do is 
start. If you never start, it's okay. If you start in two years, it's okay. No pressure. But here it is, so you can fulfill your dream. I haven't practiced as much as I thought I wanted to. It's always with everything. There is an excuse. I don't have time. I got to work and blah, 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 whatever. But I have it. And I'm getting out some couple of sounds. And my goal is, and that's what my daughter said. She said, Mom, you got to play the pink panther. Do, 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 do. Everyone know this one? So this is my goal. I'll keep you posted on how I progress. So far, it's very basic. But then finally, we're struggling to let go. And that brings me back to the moms, to the empty nesters, the empty nester moms. It is difficult to give your child the independence that you raised them to have. Because now they're gone, they don't need you, they barely call, they do their life, and you sometimes may feel you're left behind. Nobody wants you anymore. So these are real emotional things we have to deal with post-menopause. But as always, you know there's got to be some positive on the horizon in Heike's world. And there are advantages to being postmenopausal. Number one, drum roll, -da 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 -da, no more periods, done. Relieved from, from the bleeding every month, from the stomach pain, from the cramps in the back, for feeling icky, for feeling icky, no more PMS. Ah, it's the best. Then, of course, that ties in with you won't get pregnant. No period, not getting pregnant if you ever were worried about this for an unplanned pregnancy. Then your symptoms like hot flashes, night sweats, and mood swings get less severe, but they're not always gone. According to the Cleveland Clinic, around 80% of postmenopausal women will experience hot flashes. And guess when I get the hot flashes? While exercising. It's the weirdest thing. I used to get hot flashes at night, but I'm getting hot flashes now while exercising. And how do I know this? I get this monkey cheek, red, bright cheeks, and I know I'm having a hot flash. So, but the symptoms will get less and far and few in between. I also feel sometimes that I, um, that I could have at the moment when I feel like this, that my period would normal come because I get really into my cleaning and organization mode. And my husband always laughs and he says, oh, you normally would get your period right now. I'm like, why? Well, you're irritated. You want to organize. You want to clean. You want to have everything nice and, and organized. And that's true. Always. Now, another benefit of postmenopause is increased confidence and self-esteem. As many women get older, they develop a greater self-awareness and self-acceptance, leading to increased confidence and self-esteem. It's like you're proud of what you achieved. You're proud of the kids you raised. You're proud of the promotion you got at the job. You're proud how you keep your health up as best as you can. You're just uh, proud of everything you achieved. Then you have greater focus on self-care. Honestly, leading up to postmenopause, everything was about feeling better and and helping others and doing something for the well for the family. But now it's all about you, and the self-care and and the self-care doesn't stop with or start with, stop and start with a facial, which is great, or a massage. But it's that, what is important to you? Where do you set your priorities? And, pri and I just talked about this with a client about that we need to set priorities for the things that we truly want. Not so arbitrary um, goal and say, oh yeah, this is what I'm going to do if we don't believe it, but focus on what we want and go after it. Not worrying about what other things, other people think, not worrying about what the outcome even may be, right? So you're thinking, okay, I can do this. No problem. And Whatever happens, happens. Then we develop emotional growth and stability. The transition to postmenopause can be a time of personal growth and emotional stability. And 
again, leads to greater self-awareness, acceptance, and confidence. Post-menopause, we are also creating more meaningful relationships. Away go the people, or we kick them to the curb, as I like to say. The naysayers, the people that, that so, do not support our lifestyle, the people that do not emotionally uh, satisfy and fulfill us. The people that just have no business being in your life, get get rid of those, have the freedom to get rid of them and be done with those relationships and choose the people that support your, your confidence, support your new choices, uh, live alongside you in that positive mindset for we are creating greater freedom and autonomy. They are enabling us to pursue our interests and passion with greater independence. And that's what I think as we move forward in uh, past post-menopause uh, or past menopause, if we're in post-menopausal stages, is there's so many things we want to do. Setting a vision for what it is that you want to do. Create a mood board. Uh, write on a board that's your mood board if you don't have things to, if you're not a cutting out kind of person. Or start a Pinterest mood board for the things, the trips you want to take, the clothes you want to wear, the exercises you want to do. Or whatever it is that is your vision for your future. And we also experience greater wisdom and experiences. With age comes wisdom and experience. We, we know so much and we have learned so much from our experiences that we can share with other women, with other people, even though our culture does not support uh, us getting older and knowing so much. It's like, damn it, how does this woman know so much about stuff? Because we are learners, long life learners, and the things we've learned have shaped us to who we are as a human being. And that is something that is very unique for everybody. And so we have the gift of sharing uh, these experience, making informed decisions about things that we want or don't want. We're fostering strong relationships and let go of the ones we don't want without fear, shame. And again, we're contributing a lot of positivity and strength and knowledge to our community, to the people around us. We are shaking things up in the kitchen with our brand new recipe packs. You're not to be missed addition to your fitness journey. Designed with versatility in mind, our recipe packs offer two interchangeable weekly meal plans for diverse diets from gluten-free to high protein, you name it. Plus a comprehensive shopping list makes sure you're well-prepared for your culinary adventures. The best part, you can easily keep track of all the health stuff with the MyFitnessPal app. We're also throwing in easy step-by-step -step instructions and handy printables so you won't miss a beat in the kitchen. Stop wondering how to create healthy and nutritious meals and instead grab one or all of our recipe packs. The link is in the show notes for you to start cooking. Guten Appetit! These are amazing positive aspects of getting older and being done with menopause and all of this. So let's dive in to the 10 essential strategies for women to strive. So exercise and nutrition strategies for postmenopause women are just as important, if not even more, after menopause. Maybe even more because you, you want to reduce the risk of age-related health issues and osteoporosis and cardiovascular disease. Super important. So we're focusing on different areas today in our 10-point list of what it is that you can do today to address those specific health concerns uh, that are potentially age-related changes and what you can do to offset those and turn them into age-defying fitness and nutrition strategies for you, the postmenopausal woman. Number one, of course, and I've tapped on, uh, touched on this before, but I want to really dive into it right now. And this is focus on exercise. 
We all heard it. We all know it. Aim for at least 150 minutes of moderate to intense aerobic exercise or 75 minutes of vigorous intensity aerobic exercise per week. Things like walking, swimming, cycling, dancing, jogging. You know, going for a salsa dance is a great workout or uh, a quick jog or a walk or swimming, as I found out, swimming is great. Or no, not Pilates, because Pilates is only a jump board for aerobics. So we're, we're getting to Pilates later. For those with joint problems or physical limitations, low-impact exercises, swimming, water aerobics, and cycling can provide cardiovascular benefits without placing excessive stress on the joints. So listen to your body, check in with your knees and your hips and your ankles. And here's a great resource for, for that that's titled Five Ways Women Over 50 Can Improve Their Heart Health. I'll leave a link in the show notes so you can check out this episode as well where I address all the things heart health because I recorded this episode during Heart Health Month. And as always, if you're new to exercise and haven't been active for a while, start slow and gradually and increase your workout intensity and duration slowly. It will be much more um, pleasurable and less painful. Incorporate resistance training. Now we're getting to Pilates and other things. Target all major muscle groups using weights, um, resistance bands, body weight exercises, strength training. If you go to the gym, you use the equipment. Strength training is super important for us postmenopause as well. Um, st strength training helps preserve muscle mass, boost your metabolism, and supports bone density, reducing the risk of osteoporosis. Include stretching exercises into your routine, routine as well. Think of um, the stiffness of the joint. Supporting the mobility of a joint is very important. So you may choose yoga, Pilates, Tai Chi. They're all great for flexibility. And here is, I'm of course adding Pilates because to me Pilates is strength, bone density increasing, muscle uh density increasing, but also flexibility increasing. And the three ways or easy ways, the three easy ways how you can make Pilates a habit is another link in your show notes. So you can get started with Pilates where I talk all things Pilates and why over 50 and how you can get started. Balance exercises are very important. Think of standing on one leg and you wouldn't know how many people, or you wouldn't believe how many people I work with that are much younger than I am and they can't stand on one leg. Can't do it. Balance exercises improve stability, coordination, and proprioception, which reduces the risk of falls and injuries. So it all ties in together with everything we're looking at at our age group postmenopausal. Um, like I mentioned, single leg um, standing, heel toe walking, or balance enhancing exercises like yoga or Tai Chi. Or you can do Pilates standing as well when you do the plie releve. Requires quite a bit of uh, balance, strength, and coordination and a whole bunch of other beautiful things that Pilates offers. Make sure you establish a regular routine and aim to be active most days of the week. So I work out six days a week and I have one rest day. Consistency, consistency, consistency is key to maintaining those health balances and get the benefits of all the things I just mentioned, bone density, strength and flexibility, better heart health, overall. So it's it's a lot of stuff to do, but start slow. Now, number two is eat a balanced diet. So we're eating from a variety of fruits, vegetables, whole grains, lean protein, and healthy fats to support overall health and also weight management. To maintain bone health and reduce the risk of osteoporosis, it's important to uh, eat adequate amounts of calcium and vitamin D, including dairy products, fortified plant-based milk, leafy greens, small fish with bone like sardines in your diet. If necessary, cons uh, consider supplements. 
after consulting with your doctor. Here is another uber super duper research resource. And so check out my post or my episode on Aging Strong, Pilates for Better Bone Health for Women Over 50. So you can get more uh, information on bone health. Now, protein is essential for maintaining muscle mass and overall health, again, including lean protein sources such as fish, poultry, beans, legumes, tofu, low-fat dairy products, yogurt in your diet. I just had to stop for a second. Healthy fats, a no-brainer for high If you know me, you know I eat avocados every day. Avocados, nuts, seed, fatty fish, salmon. We're having salmon tonight. I'm trying out the new salmon bowl. I'll let you know how it goes in social media. So check back with me on my, I think it's called the fiery salmon bowl. I'll check it out tonight, which is supporting your heart health. So Whole grains are next on the list. Brown rice, quinoa, one of my favorites because it's high in protein. Whole wheat, barley, barley not so my favorite. Oats into your diet, add all those. Whole grains uh, provide essential nutrients, fiber, and can help maintain healthy uh, blood sugar levels. So they even out your blood sugar levels so we don't have insulin spikes, which I talk about in our intermittent fasting programs a lot. Uh, And... Seriously, reduce processed foods, refined sugars, excessive salt. All these can contribute to weight gain, increase the risk of heart disease and other health issues. They're tempting. They're everywhere. They're the bars. There's the bakery. Be smart about it. Is it okay to have your sugar every now and again, to eat your chocolate croissant every now and again? Heck it is, yes, but not every day and not day in, day out and saying, oh, it's going to be fine. I'm going to work it off. No, you're not going to work it off. We want to reduce those sugars that are not um, beneficial for our body. That's why we eat fruits and lots of vegetables. Now, I mentioned phytoestrogens earlier. Uh, Consider incorporating foods rich in phytoestrogens such as soy. Products like in tofu, tempeh, edamame, or soy milk. Flax seeds and sesame seeds are important. They can help alleviate menopause symptoms and support hormonal balance. So flax seed and sesame seed. I also have hemp seeds in my cupboard. I've got a whole bunch of um, seeds that I can put and sprinkle in all of all my foods. Now, if you're interested in intermittent fasting, I have a link for you here in the show notes, the easy to follow intermittent fasting guide for newbies. You can check out that resource or you go to heikeyeats.com and grab your free training where I guide you through intermittent fasting in my free uh, um, guide. But for today's purpose, I have an episode for you, the easy to follow intermittent guides for newbies if you're interested in starting intermittent fasting or learning more about it. Now, pay attention to portion sizes. And again, avoid excessive consumption of processed foods, sugar, and unhealthy fats. So stay away as much as possible from the French fries and the fried chicken. Uh, Stay away as much as possible from yogurts that have all kinds of stuff in them. Yeah, look at the labels. Become a, a label reader. Look what's in stuff. If it has all these things that nobody knows what the heck they are, don't buy it. When I buy bread, I eat bread. Yes, I do. I buy it from the bakery that's near my house. And what it says, it is flour, wheat, a little bit of salt, and whatever else, yeast and water that you need to bake bread. That's, that's it. That's Those are the ingredients. There are no... Um, Make the bread last till eternity chemicals in there. There are no color in there. There's nothing. So read your labels. And when it comes to portion size, we tend to eyeball our portions. We tend to eat more than we actually think. 
The portion sizes in restaurants are ginormous. If you have taken any of my courses, you know I use the hand measure um, technique that I learned as a precision nutrition coach to know more about what's on my plate. So I'm using the hand portion in our courses, and that's been very helpful. Try intermittent fasting. Research shows that fasting can improve your metabolism, mental health, and possibly prevent some cancers. It can also ward off certain muscle, nerve, and joint disorders. Think inflammation, which can affect women over 50 or do affect women over 50. Did you know that intermittent fasting and Pilates combined are the most effective way to lose weight, body fat, and boost your energy? Didn't know that... So please check out the Faster Than Fit Over 50 Jumpstart program. A link will be in your show notes. So if that quick seven-day program is for you, go sign up now. You can start anytime. Number three is drink in moderation. Moderate alcohol consumption is key. If you choose to drink alcohol, Avoid as excessive consumption. So what does that mean? It's, I think this people are, it's a hard way to explain because every doctor's form has it. How many drinks a week do you have? Two to four, six to eight, whatever it is. It's a, that for women, it's one drink or less per day. Less is more. So if you know you're going out on the weekend with uh, some friends or with your honey, plan ahead. Alcohol has sugar and it's hard to digest the sugar in wine. Let's just use wine because I don't drink anything else. I don't know all the other alcohol things, uh, the cool name drinks. Um, but if you drink wine, even organic wine has sugars and we're told that it's much better for us and it has less sugar or no sugar and it's different, whatever it is, it is sugar. So changing, and my resource for this is changing your alcohol habits. And this was an episode I did with Molly Watts where we talk about changing our, our alcohol habits and how we can look at alcohol in a way that it's not, we're not feeling bad having a drink, but we know what we're doing, how it affects us. And Molly is sharing her experience with too much alcohol in this episode. So I leave a link in the show notes for you so you can check that out. And of course, after that, we're going into staying hydrated. So coffee and drinking alcohol is not hydrating. So moving on to stay hydrated. Drink a lot of liquids during the, the day. Uh, water, tea, bubbly water, not so much coffee or definitely no sodas even the one that have artificial stuff in them to make them sound great, like uh, the new water that's out there with all natural flavors. Well, the way I look at this, and I just talked about this in the Emptiness Reboot about this, if you're getting a bottle of flavored water and they're telling you all organic flavor, would, do you think that, the, that there's a person on the other end filling the water bottle, squeezing a lime in there? No, it's a chemical. So don't be fooled into these gimmicky things that, oh, this water is now better for me. It has organic juices. No, they're not organic. They're somehow manufactured by somebody. So it is a chemical. Instead, grab a glass of water, squeeze out your own lime. Boom. You know what you're getting and you know that it's not a chemical, but a lime. So why do we need to stay hydrated? Because it's important to know that sometimes we think, oh, if I'm intermittent fasting, I want to stay full. It is important. Water transports nutrients and oxygen in your body to help you grow and repair itself. Water flushes the kidneys and liver to remove toxins from the body. Water lubricates your joints and acts at and acts as a shock absorber in your joints. It regulates body temperature, blood pressure, and heart rate. Think sweats, night sweats. It also helps to maintain a healthy metabolism. So how much do you drink? In my world, at least eight glasses of water. And as always, if you're watching the replay on the video, I always have a cup of herbal tea with me all the time. And I drink... 
at least 10 of those bad boys during the day, at least. And then I drink more water when I'm exercising. Number five would be manage stress. High stress levels release the cord release cortisol, as we talked about earlier, and this is a hormone that contributes to the fat accumulation around your belly. Practice stress reduction techniques, techniques such as meditation, breathing techniques, yoga, tai chi, pilates. All these help regulate cortisol levels and support a well. Uh, a healthy wellness or a healthy lifestyle. You can start journaling. Journaling is another idea of where you can release stress. You, you get away from negative people. That's another way to manage stress. You may think about changing your job because your, your job is just killing you because of stress. And here I have another resource for you, the most effective strategies to relieve stress instantly. And one of them is to say no. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Check it out in uh, the most effective strategies to relieve stress instantly. And number six is to get enough sleep. Try to get seven to nine hours each night. Again, sleeping or good sleep affects our appetite and our metabolism. And if we don't sleep well, we're tying into the stress. It keeps repeating itself. We're uh, getting back into the cortisol. We're, it's that whole thing ties in together. And it's not just about the nutrition. It's not about only about the exercise, but it's also about the sleep. And in, for this tip, I have a great episode with my friend Stella, and it's called The Hidden Power of Sleep. Stella is a sleep expert, and oh my God, you will learn so much from this episode. It's, the link will be in your show notes. So you, whew, you got lots to listen and lots to learn. This is super exciting. So number seven is get regular checkups. <sighs> regular checkups and screenings are essential for detecting and managing potential health issues. Stay proactive about your health. Like I recently just got a colonoscopy Every five years, colonoscopy, it's, uh, I know this sounds really bad, but I'm going to say it anyways, because you're here with me. It's a pain in the butt. Um, and I had to fast for 43 hours. I will also write about this, uh, uh, post this on social media, because it was a long fast, uh, let me tell you. But when we know that we, are, we can schedule our health checkups. We know that once a year, it's mammogram time. You know, once a year, you got to get your, uh, so your OBGYN. Once a year, you do your physical, right? So you can find out if things are going the way it goes or not. I just recently found out that I have high cholesterol and I've been having high cholesterol pretty much a lot for a long time. But everybody was telling me, oh, this is fine because you're exercising so much. You're on triathlete and, and it's, it will even itself out. So I did the experiment on my own for four months. I ate the correct diet. I paid attention. I ate cholesterol-lowering lowering foods and I left certain foods out and I kept up. I did everything by the books. And the thing that happens was my good cholesterol went down. My, my bad cholesterol stayed the same. So I will find out what the scoop will be from my doctor because that's not good. It, it puts me at risk for heart disease or stroke. And I have no desire to leave you guys anytime soon. So think about your checkups. Think about uh, a healthy weight. Think about managing your, your uh, body weight. If it crept up during uh, perimenopause and menopause, it's time that you uh, make a change that you want to lose weight. You want to reduce those perimenopause, uh, postmenopausal symptoms. And you can do that by uh, lessening, reducing your weight. Also, it's easier on your joints. And number eight is focus on self-care. And I talked about self-care a little earlier, but I want to dive into a little bit more. Self-care is 
really important for everyone. And we hear self-care and some people roll their eyes and go like, oh, if they talk about self-care one more time, I'm going to strangle them. But hormone changes and aging and the increased risk of certain health issues require us to pay more attention to our physical, emotional, and mental well-being. Practicing self-care is engaging in activities that bring us joy, as Marie Kondo would say. What brings you joy? What relaxes you? What gives you a sense of accomplishment and can help you reduce stress, improve your mood, and maintain emotional stability? Maintaining strong connections is an uh, with uh, the people you love is an aspect of self-care. Nurture for, um, relationship with friends and family and consider joining a club that shares your interests. You may want to join, as uh, somebody just mentioned to me, a, oh, I just joined a walking club. It is so much fun. We meet once or twice a week and we just go for a walk. And we're actually walking. We're not lollygagging around. Uh, a strong support network can help you improve your emotional well-being and the sense of belonging. You're not alone. That's what I keep saying here on the podcast and all the messages. You're not alone. You got me on the other side. You got other women that are in the same boat. If you joined my Facebook group, if you signed up for the for the um, for any of my programs, if you're following me on social media, you're not alone. Connect. Talk. Don't sit by the sidelines and wait and hope that somebody will reach out to you other than me. Connect. Share. We women love to share so much. So it is important to maintain this part as well for, for your longevity, for your well-being. Now, now it's the time also to pursue hobbies and interests. And interest. Think of my uh, saxophone. I'm like, I'm going to do this. And I have a whole bunch of things that I want to do. And I just have to carve out time to do them. Uh, again, these hobbies and interests, if you're a traveler, they they give you a sense of accomplishment, reduce stretch, stress, and, and make you feel overall just good. And when you pick, and, uh, pick activities you enjoy and explore new interests, you stay engaged, you stay fulfilled, you put a smile on your face. And I want to share this story of one of uh, my clients. She recently bought a kayak and she says, I got a kayak for me and my wife, and we're going to kayak. Do you think it counts as exercise too, Heike? And I was like, heck yeah, it counts as exercise. And she's like, I report back on how this kayaking goes. And now the two of them drag their kayak all over the planet, and they're exploring different lakes and rivers, and they're having the best time. And kayaking, upper body strength and core, big time. So think about how fun these things can be, how um, fulfilling all this is. And if you see the video of today, you know I'm just grinning from one ear to the next because I can't think of a bazillion things I want to do. Just don't tell my husband. Because <laughs> he is, he's like, oh my God, there she goes again, super enthusiastic. And finally, let's talk about sexual health. This is part of it. We're not going to push it under the rug. We're not going to talk about it. Changes in sexual function and desires are coming during and after menopause. But taking care of your sexual health, health, communicate openly with your partner, and perhaps seek medical advice if necessary to maintain a satisfying sex life. More than 60% of over 65s enjoying a fulfilled sex life, according to the um, Age UK survey, and a recent study at the University in San Diego found that 67% of sexually active older women achieve an orgasm most of the time or always. Mm -hmm. Vaginal dryness and discomfort during sex can make sex no fun using vaginal lubricant if applicable or go to a um, sex therapist. Also check out a, um, what's, what is the word I'm looking for? Physical therapist that can help you with your sexual health. And it's totally normal that you don't want to have sex with your partner every day like you used to, but it doesn't have to be less fulfilling. And here 
is a really, really great episode that I want to share with you. Uh, and I put a link in the show notes for this. And it's Sex and Intimacy in Midlife. Reclaiming what sexy means to you with Dr. Juliana Hauser was a very popular episode. And we're speaking frank, I mean, really frank about sex and intimacy in midlife. And uh, I'll leave this for you as a link in the show notes. So there you have your nine, I think nine tips that is, and I did say 10, I think in the beginning, but it's nine essential strategies for postmenopausal women to strive, to get healthier, to feel better, to really enjoy life. And maybe I can add number 10 is do what you love doing and don't worry about what everybody else says. I think that's number 10. So believe it or not, research shows that following a well-rounded exercise program can do wonders for your body and your mind. By making exercise a regular part of your life, you can keep your body healthy, strong-boned, improve overall mental well-being. And don't worry, you don't need to go all out. Moderate exercise is still amazing and it has amazing benefits and can be way easier on your joint. It controls or it helps control your weight and lowers the risk of stress, anxiety, and feeling down. And you can and you can do it anytime during the day. You don't need a gym. You, you don't need any equipment other than your body. Uh, so let's take charge of our lives to staying active and embracing an active lifestyle with fitness, eating healthy, and embracing those things that are a secret weapon against osteoporosis and heart disease. So thank you for joining me for today's discussion all about age-defying fitness and nutrition tips for postmenopausal women. If you'd like to learn more, more about fitness, health, and nutrition, check out our social media channels. We provided links to those in the show note captions. And if you like learning from and you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's a zero-cost way to support the show. In addition, subscribe to the Pursue Your Spark podcast on Apple or Spotify, and you can give the show an up to five star rating. If you have any comments, questions, topics, or guests you'd like me to cover on the Pursue Your Spark podcast, please put them in the comment section on YouTube. I read all the comments and I will respond there. If you are not already following me on social media, I'm at Heike Yates on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and TikTok. And I should mention that on those platforms, I cover fitness, Pilates, strength and intermittent fasting strategies and topics for women over 50 that are ready to break the mold, break out of the age and fitness mold and move on in life and grab the life by its horns, which overlaps with the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Also get on my list for the weekly newsletter by grabbing one of my free guides for, for women over 50, just like you, to reclaim your health and thrive by going to HeikeYates.com. So I'm so excited. Thank you so much for being here today. The age-defying fitness and nutrition, nutrition strategy for postmenopausal women. Can't wait to see you next time on the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Ciao.